Hey, what's up, people? This episode is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. BVNE is the biggest get notice showcase in the United States of America for beach volleyball girls. You got a good junior? You're interested in your girl getting noticed? We have as many as 20 to 25 recruiters. USC, UCLA, LMU, South Carolina, FSU, LSU, you name it, anything that ends with a U, they are there. Come get noticed. BVNE? Come play with us. It's also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That's me. That's me. The NYV. Episode ooh, 29 starts. Wow. Wow, Rob. Episode 29 starts right now. Back in the days when I was a teenager, before I had status and before I had a pager, you could find the abstract, listening to hip-hop. My pops used to say it reminded him of bebop. Said, well, daddy, don't you know that things roll in cycles? Wave a Bobby Brown, amping like Michael. It's all expected. Things are for the looking. If you got the money, Quest is for the bookend. <laughs> Tribe Called Quest is the That's lyrics. Right. Jason DeBeas is the reciter. My right-hand man, Rob, keep it McLean clean we give the people what they want what's good what's happening brother and i'm back <laughs> rob mclean before we get started i want to share something with you okay you know like baseball uh the baseball games they've been doing like fake fans or like posters and pictures like that oh yeah i looked at the kansas city royals game right and this guy's up to bat and if you look really closely like i do i found this <laughs> look at that who the fuck is that who's that who's bernie. that rob say it with me bernie that's bernie <laughs> that's the dude from weekend at bernie's and the t-shirt behind me says endless bummer covid you suck covid you suck all right and i'm back again Let's start with our, uh, we got a lot of topics to talk about. We got the UFC last week, and we really could just talk about the main event, Derek Lewis KOing um, Alexi Olenek. I mean, got that little body kick and then jacked him up, ground and pound. Um, wow. When you see Derek Lewis hit someone like that, it's straight on like that. Nobody gets up, which is why him and Zingano had a Dude. staring contest, which was the worst match. But get, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Derek Lewis and Nuganu. I know, I know. No one wants to see it, but it's got to happen, man. Yes. It's got to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, we got the UFC. We got the NBA. We got a new episode called To Shame or Not To Shame. But first, we're going to start with my boyfriend's back bigger than before. Hey, la, hey, la. Tom Brady. All right. <laughs> Tom Brady. Signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cam. Cam. Whoa, Cam. Cam signed with the New England Patriots. The question for you, Rob, skipping all the BS since I've been yap, yap, yapping away. Skipping all the BS. Who is under more pressure this coming season? Is it Cam Newton or is it Tom Brady? Um, <laughs> so Cam Newton is has no pressure on him absolutely at all he's coming off an injury season uh, he's coming off an mvp type season 
So if anything, uh, he's going to perform well, and he doesn't have any pressure on him. Um, he's got a, a team that nobody really under like you know everybody understands that the team around him is only going to succeed if he succeeds. So even if he fails, you can not necessarily call it an excuse, but you know the team is part of his success as well. So if the team's not good, he doesn't have the option, the the opportunity to play that his at, at his great level. So the, all the pressure's on Tom Brady. You know, just orchestrated your your own trade from your team where you've been successful your entire career. Uh, you know, it seems as mutual of a, a parting ways as could have been expected for either side uh, without any really a war of words or, you know, any type of litigation to make sure he doesn't sign anywhere. Or um, And then, you know, Rex Gr- uh, Rob Gronkowski follows him to Tampa Bay. Um, they drafted a lineman, you know, exactly where they need to draft him. They drafted a fantastic middle linebacker last year. Um, you know, that team is set up to succeed. So if that team doesn't succeed, I look at Tom Brady and say, man, what was Belichick doing for the last couple of years? Because people have been talking about Tom Brady's stats declining for many seasons. And people say, oh, okay, we're going to give Tom Brady the, the best receivers. They can run down the field. They can cut across the field. You know, it's a different system. Uh, he's going to have to throw the ball. So we've never really seen him in an air raid type system. Um, they have an unproven offensive line. Uh, he's got to be able to come into a new environment and then uh, create that, that, that winning culture because, let's be honest, there hasn't really been winning culture there. Mike Evans, we've seen terrible, terrible things on field, and I'm sure that leads to off-field issues and – uh, that makes him not always able to perform at his best. So I think there's a lot of a lot of kinks in in what could go wrong uh, for Tom Brady. Um, Agreed. And for Cam, he's going to one of the best culture uh, cultures, one of the best coaches, and one of the best franchises that football's ever like ever seen, and he's one of the new age type of quarterbacks of dual threat where they could run and pass. I think that, you know, the, the, if we're going to put, you know, who's where you'd stack your chips, I would totally stack my chips in the, in the corner of a, a super hybrid athlete with an incredible coach who's wants to, you know, evolve with the game and with the, the players that come in. So I think it's going to be amazing to see what Bill Belichick can come up with uh, for Cam Newton and for the Patriots with the you know with the assets they have and uh, in all seriousness i don't know how good the offense will be uh because tom brady has to take the plays you know he he can audible but he's also you know the offensive coordinator has got to coordinate the plays with him and make sure they're on the same level you know he's never really had to do that it's been bill belichick for most of his career so again I think there's a lot of stock that people don't put into Bill Belichick and what he's done for that franchise. Uh, before he got there, you know, no one really was a Patriot. You know, there wasn't really a, a Patriot following outside of New England. Or a Patriot now, way. everybody knows yeah. him, you know. Everybody knows him because they're successful. Uh, whether that's Robert Kraft or Bill Belichick, that's the Patriots. You know, it's not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, Again, I think there's everything for Tom Brady to win. I think it's a huge legacy 
that he could create if he just has one or two successful years, like a Peyton Manning, you know, end of his career, dominate again, show that his career was dominant all the way through, and he didn't, even at his advanced age, wasn't able to decline and put talent around him. He's able to play great. He's just a great quarterback. So I, if the season starts or if it doesn't, you know, I think that this is going to be a fantastic storyline, and you know, hopefully, maybe see both of them come playoff time. Yeah. So you're saying pressure's more on Tom Tom than than absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, he's got everything to win, but he also has everything to lose. And you know, Cam Newton, you know, he's only got he's only he can only go up. <laughs> yeah. So that's a very very good argument, and yet somehow some way. Leave it to your guy, the native New Yorker, the kid from Brooklyn, to find a way to absolutely disagree with your assertion. <laughs> Tom Brady, for all of the reasons you say he has, there's more pressure, or I, I would make an argument, a gentleman's argument, uh, why he has less. He, as far as legacies are concerned, or, or him having something to prove, I understand, like, my side of the argument, he has 66 Super Bowl rings, multiple MVPs, uh, finally got a Super Bowl MVP, doing more with less, throwing, not throwing the all-star wide receivers and all that stuff. And now um, the argument is he finally has wideouts. He's got Gronk back without the nagging injuries, and there's little to no excuse why he shouldn't win and have success. So there's the enormous pressure on him, and that's your, your side of the argument. Um, interrupt me at any time. My um, started it's, guy, please. But it's not. It's, that's not necessarily the pressure. I'm just saying that he's going into an unknown. Right. He is. So it's more. It's not necessarily just the pressure. It's more just of at an advanced age. Yes, he might have the skills to do it, but does he have the strength to throw the ball 40 yards, 50 yards, play after play, 16 games, and then into the playoffs to be successful? Not to mention the sports analyst elephant in the room, Rob. Um, Everybody's talking about can Brady do well without Belichick? Can Belichick do well without Brady? So there's an enormous amount of pressure there in regards to having something to prove is concerned. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's that was yeah. I go with Cam Newton and I'll tell you why. He went from a guy who was twelve and four to like a eight and eight or quasi losing season, went to a fifteen and one record, uh, went to the Super Bowl lost to a, a legendary quarterback who, by the way, only scored on the two-point conversion. So that was really just just uh, 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 Denver's defense that basically shut down Cam so much to a point where the MVP was given to a defensive player. I believe it was Vaughn Miller. Mm. The pressure's on Cam Newton because he got let go by a franchise he built. Okay, Jake Delhomme, he made everybody forget about Jake Delhomme, okay? Daylight coming, we want to Delhomme. Nope, nobody remembers Jake Delhomme. You know the Jake Delhomme that got him to their only Super Bowl prior to? Everybody forgot about him because Cam Newton came into the league as a number one pick, he or, or what have you, electrifying. Scored through for through 422 yards, his, his debut against Arizona, and, and a loss. So there is so much that he has to prove twofold. One, to prove to the world that he still has it, that he's still that cam. Two, that he can keep his team up when he's up and when they're down because we've seen some meltdowns in these post-fights 
post in these post fight excuse me post game press conferences where he he looked like he'd rather be anywhere but there and there have always been some questions about can cam newton play in a system that we affectionately refer to as the patriot way everybody's treated equally cam don't want to be treated equally uh to everybody's knowledge to my to my bs assertion too so the pressure's on him because if they win, or should I say when they win, because I think he's going to absolutely flourish under the system where Bill Belichick and his offensive coordinator will be like, wait, we got some ideas. But the question is, when that wave crashes, not if, because that's football. There are, no, there are no undefeated seasons unless you're the Miami Dolphins. When that wave crashes, how does he handle it? Does he still handle it the Patriot way? Does he take criticism in front of his teammates the same way Brady did because anyone that's been in those locker rooms knows that Bra- uh, Belichick, can un- he, there is no, nobody's exempt from that man's wrath. That includes Tom Brady, who's who we both agree is the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. Um, and now it's Cam Newton, who might, who some people think he might be a little bit more thin-skinned. So the question is, can he take the downs as much as the ups, as much as he handles the ups? And that's where I think the pressure comes from. And that's where you and I have an, an awesome gentleman's argument where we can, we can, the floor is yours. We can continue this if you like. Um, yeah, I would just say that with Cam, I don't think there's a lot of pressure on him because of how uh, Bill Belichick practices you know i think that when you practice situations uh as opposed to plays you know um or you practice you know what your mindset will be in that time i think that's all a player like cam really needs is you know maturity you know for a physical player you know and honestly i think tom brady as great as they were and that's probably why they were as great as they were but he was almost underutilized in this type of offensive system yep you know where they all like they almost had to march down the field every single time and it's crazy to think that you know he would throw at such a high percentage every single time every single time but you could also get down the field you know 20 yard 30 yard gains Uh, pretty easily so it's just when you see a guy like Patrick Mahomes be able to sling the ball and I love Patrick Mahomes but he doesn't always throw the prettiest ball you know (laughs) he can he can really you know rip it he puts it in a great spot but you know he kind of he throws some ducks sometimes and you know he you know it kind of like lays up in the air and then comes back you know so in that essence uh, Tom Brady throws a more pretty ball you know he's a I'm not saying he's a smarter quarterback, but he's a quarterback that wants to work through the pocket. You know, he's very much known for having a very powerful arm in the early parts of his career. You know, in a different system, Tom Brady might have even been better than he was under the Patriots. So I think it's, um, I think it's difficult to uh, expect any different from a system uh, when the system's proven to be right. And Cam Newton is probably going to be even more utilized in a system where he could run or throw a short pass or throw a deep pass. And he's the, the, the type of star player that the Patriots need with talent. You know, talent is going to get them touchdowns and extra yards and those first downs uh, and on the third down plays. So 
Um, yeah, I just think that the system creates less pressure for Cam Newton as opposed to just looking at uh, if Tom or Cam are going to have more of those issues. Because in all essence, I think the, the, the pressure's on Tom just because you don't know if he's going to be able to throw the, the same, you know, deep ball that, I mean, of course he's going to work on, he's going to get time with his players, but in that split second, do you trust your right guard to, to, to block that guy and you're going to be able to throw that ball in? He's, a, he's not a young guy. You know, he gets hit once or twice in the wrong spot. He's thinking about health. You know, there's, I'm not saying he's not an Iron Man, just saying, yeah, you know, there's a difference. A shot, Same thing happened to Brett Favre at the end of his career. You know, he was a slinger, he was a, but he just made so many mistakes because, you know, he didn't really, he, he didn't control the game, but still, the fact is, your, your age, Father Time will always get the best of you. And, even if Tom Brady plays his best game, he still is behind the time. And unfortunately, it will catch up with him. And I do think that he will have to, you know, underthrow balls. He's not going to be able to throw, overthrow, a, you know, Miles Evans down the field 40, 30, 40 yards. I think I just he don't might. see it happening. <laughs> you say that, yeah. but, you well, know. We'll yeah, that's yeah, one of those 40, things we we're just going to have to see. plus, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a tough ball to, to heave down there every time when you got guys coming off the edge. Um, you got an unproven offensive line. Uh, you know, it's, for me, that's just a, a recipe for disaster. But I, I think they can pull it through. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. I just don't think it's going to be as successful as people really think it's going to be. Yeah, I do. Uh, for me, it's all about the trenches. Yeah. I do think they'll make the playoffs. There's always a question of uh, who's going to finish first in that division because with a um, a well coached defense by the New Orleans Saints, they're I mean they're very. Uh, um, I think we both agree that the Saints, even devoid of talent, even on their worst day, is bend but don't break. Very much like the Patriots. Uh, it's 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 almost eerie, eerily similar, right? <laughs> watching yeah. watching the the way the Saints play defense and watching the way the Patriots play defense. But Definitely. I got to tell you, man, the Saints have been the victim of some huge communication communication gaffes on defense where. If you remember, um, Diggs got that touchdown with no time left, mm-hmm. and another play where there was wasn't really their fault. There was a there was um pass interference call that wasn't called. I mean, they've they've been the victim of so many of those bad breaks, where I, I see Tom actually uh, playing through those, where I see the Saints losing as a result of those. So, uh, I'd say the division titles a toss up. I think both of those teams are going. And for as far as Cam Newton's concerned, I like your argument in a sense that. If you've ever seen Cam Newton play college uh, football, he had this huge smile on his face all the time in this college environment mm-hmm. uh, that's not necessarily like NFL style coached, which mm-hmm. I think uh, will be right up Bill Belichick's alley and right up um, Cam Newton's alley. I, sure. I really hope. I, I, I like, I'm a good things for the guy. I'm biased. All right, I'm a prisoner of the moment. I've seen him come in a league with a smile on his face. The man has galvanized the NFL. We have more fans watching the NFL because of quarterbacks or football players all around like him. And and, and I, I wish him the best. And, you know, and the Patriots, I could care less about the Patriots as much as I care much about my boyfriend, Tom Brady. So uh, my so your, 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 your call is pressure's on Tom. My call is Tom, pressure's yeah. on Cam. Got it. Got it. All right. So, hey, next um, 
Next one. This one you're going to love. So a recent poll on the show Get Up. This is the show before um, uh, First Take. It's on ESPN. A recent poll by the Get Up asked which player who's 21 years old or younger would you want to build your franchise around? And the four choices were uh, Zion Williamson, Luka Don, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Doncic, Doncic, sorry. Doncic. Thank you. <laughs> it's this, people. Um, Trey Young or Ja Morant. Okay, mm. so um, 84%, and I'm going to show you guys a stat right here. For the people listening you that cannot see this, 84% said Luka. 7% said Zion, 6% said uh, Morant, and 3% said said uh, Young. So, Rob, your thoughts um, as far as percentages are concerned? Do they get it right? And if not, who would you pick as your guy, 21 years old or younger, to build your franchise? I mean, they absolutely got it right. Um, Luka Doncic is like a top, I mean, I don't want to be but a top seven player, top five type player. I mean, he's in the MVP voting already. Uh, the tough thing is, like, people can't uh, understand and accept that players in Europe have a better path to stardom than or to playing high-level competitive basketball than uh, most Americans do. Uh, you have, In America, you got to go through a college system. You have to go through, um, you know, you have to go through, get to the draft and, hopefully see, you know, hopefully get scouted and recruited. And there's so many people in America that's trying to play basketball. And there's probably really good basketball players out here that could go play in Europe and dominate in Europe. But the fact is, it's not. We're back. We got it. It's, it's not. That's not an option. You know, it's not. Uh, you don't. If you don't know people in Europe, it's going to be really tough to be in that system. And. You know, a player like Luka Doncic, he's been playing from 15 years old against grown men. You know, so at age 21, in his just becoming in his physical prime, he's already had the uh, the mental uh, the mental fortitude of playing against grown men, the trash talk, the tough play. You know, not trying to let a kid beat you, and that really does breed some great, great players in Europe. And I think the U.S. should kind of take take heed where. I think there needs to be more professional basketball leagues where you, in the United States where you got so much talent out here. You might as well take advantage of it. Um, but past that, you know, yeah, Luka Doncic is absolutely one of the best players in the league right now. He's a six-six point guard. Um, he, when he wants to, he plays some pretty good defense. And on top of that, he's a smooth, smooth shooter. He moves around the court with the ball well. And he tries to set up his teammates as much as he can, and he has the skill to do it. Um, drive the basket, one-leg step-backs. You know, he's a really savvy type player, and that's a type of player that's going to be able to last in the league for a long time. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's really much debate because, you know, John Morant and, and uh, Trey Young are, you know, scoring or slashing type uh, you know, ball dominant guards. They're they are they again. They can assist, but you know, Doncic is getting like eight nine assists a game, and these guys are getting six seven and scoring seventeen points a game. You know, you know, Trey Young up to like twenty twenty three twenty four twenty five twenty six a game. You know, 
that's great and all, but Don Schiss, again, dropping 30, 34 for the season, some crazy, you know, almost 10 assists. You know, this kid is actually really special. Um, and I think it just shows, you know, that the, 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 the coming of the next game where a positionless basketball where you got biggest, you know, whoever's the best ball handler is going to have the ball. You know, the sh- if you can shoot, you, you shoot. You know, if you can rebound, rebound. You know, and, and it's kind of not really necessarily depending on height because you can run, you can outrun players in basketball. So I think I honestly love it. It's an evolution of basketball. You know, you have, you know, Zion. I don't think that's really, I think that's a, you know, an ending branch and tree of an evolution. You know, like LeBron is perfect, almost the most perfect specimen of basketball. But, you know, Zion is just, he's actually too big. You know, it's the truth. He's got to lose weight or he's got to start playing a four position. But even if he does uh, play the four and he doesn't lose weight, he's just too powerful to stop on a dime. So he's got to either change his play style to a two, two-footed play style and not jump off one leg. You know, that was Jason Richardson did that all the time. But again, he's got to refine his game. And he's the same age as Doncic, who doesn't have to refine his game. And uh, and Don is, is dominating, you know, with not necessarily the best talent. So, yeah, that's what I got to say about yeah. that. <clears throat> well, you know, uh, in the beginning of the season, I probably would have made an argument for you with Zion. Zion is a strange individual where he has kind of like a body like Shaq, but he doesn't land like Shaq. When you see, when, back in the day when you saw Shaq dunk a ball or, or just back someone up and just, just obliterate them. You know, we've seen him ragdoll Tim Duncan, who's one of the best power forwards of all time. Of all time, Rob. And you never heard that thud on the ground when you heard Shaq land. You kind of of hear that with Zion, a little bit Mm -hmm. like that thud where like, Wow, you, where everyone's saying, wow, you got this guy's got to lose weight or he's not going to last longer. Or wow, this guy's got to do this or he's not going to last longer. Wow, this guy's got to do that or he's not going to last long. So who do I think the better talent is? I think it's Zion, but at the, as the question, who do you want to build your franchise around who's 21 years or, 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 or um, under? I have, I, my hand's forced, Rob. I can't, I can't combat you on this. I got to go with Doncic. Okay, I got to go with Doncic. I do see longevity in his game. I do see him able to play the point and and the three and the two. He could play one, two, and three. His Easy. movement, his his break, his um crossover. Okay. These European cats are freaking nice, dude. I mean, the other two guys, I'm going to put them up because I don't want to be disrespectful. Trey Young, right now, seeing the sample size I've seen, there are about five to eight Trey Youngs in the NFL, all right? So, I mean, yeah, can you build around him? Yeah, but compared to who? You can build around a lot of people like him. Um, Ja, again, small sample size. I see the same thing as Trey Young, though Ja, I I, I see him taking over some games more than Trey Young would. So this, to me, in the beginning, there's some some unfounded bias where it was a two-horse race between Zion and, and, and Doncic and... Doncic wins because of longevity. The question is, who do you want to build? Who can you build a franchise around? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know we don't get to have the fun talks where it's like, oh, who's better? Mm. You know, why, why, why would he be better than him? 
because most of the time it comes down to health. Now, what would be awesome if, you know, if health wasn't a, you know, health wasn't a real issue and to see who's better. I mean, I think it would be a much closer battle. I still think Dodgers would win, you know, um, but I think Zion can, can uh, impact the game uh, a lot more. But again, that's, it's like, you know, revving your wheels before, you know, like, uh, before you, you uh, take off every single time at a light, you know, your tires are going to burn out, you know, eventually it's just, so he can play that game, but nobody expects him to do stuff like that because nobody sees a 285 pound man just like get off the ground in like less than a second. It's just ridiculous. You know, physics says it can't happen. And honestly, I think you, what would happen? I feel like he has small ankles, you know, it looks like he, doesn't have the correct mechanics you know he's just so powerful that no one ever really you know made him have to break down his movement and uh you know put emphasis where 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 it needs to be so i think he just again has to reinvent himself physically um and then i think his basketball game is is phenomenal it's high iq but you know his his game needs a lot of physical refinement yeah um I knew right away Zion's style of basketball would translate to the to to the NBA very well, and yeah. a lot of people who are good you know good in college you're like, well, you know the pros they move so much faster the defense is much more schemed and they're more stronger and they talk so much garbage getting your head, and no one. No expert, no layman, no basketball aficionado, no casual thought that Zion would not make an immediate impact in the NFL. But take that and multiply that by three, and I give you Doncic. Yep, that's true. That's it. I, I mean, I mean, take that and multiply it by three because of people who didn't think that he was going to be something. You know, Zion had the hype, and then he just kind of met the hype. Doncic had no hype and then beat it threefold, you know, so that's even crazier. <laughs> cool. Let's move on to the next subject. Rob, we're going to rearrange the order a little bit. Um, there was something, something, an NFL thing, but I'm going to save that for later. Let's yeah. move on to the UFC. We are, um, we got a big event coming up this weekend, UFC 252. It is the third matchup, the trilogy between the champion, the reigning defending champion, Stipe Miocic, who, by the way, I remind everybody, is Cleveland's first champion in a half a century, okay? It's not the Cleveland Cavaliers. It is the baddest man on the planet. The baddest man on the planet used to be the heavyweight boxing champion. That is no more, ladies and gentlemen. It is the heavyweight mixed martial arts champion, more exclusively the mix uh the heavyweight ufc champion whoever holds it whoever holds that title it was previously cormier before that stipe and now stipe again it is stipe miocic cleveland ohio a full-time firefighter defending his title against the greatest probably the greatest heavyweight of all time one of the the, the top four greatest heavyweights of all time daniel cormier who by the way has only lost one heavyweight match so Rob, I'm gonna actually pull it up for the people listening. I'm pulling um, pulling up the matches so we can pick our winners for the co-main event and the main event, and maybe have a little fun in between. Rob, I'd like to go first for the main event, and we'll work our way down. Okay. Sure. Main event. This is very, very, very close. I'm picking Stipe, and all of the logic works against it because if 
they fought a total of five rounds. The first uh, the first match, Daniel Cormier KO'd him. I mean, slept him first round. The mm-hmm. second uh, match, Stipe smartened up. His coach told him, if you want a spectacular knockout, you got to go to the body. And he, man, did sweet Jesus, Rob, did he work the body. And um, scored a fourth round KO. And this time, I think it's going to be another war. I think Stipe is going to be able to roll with some of these shots. I also believe with a significant reach advantage, he's going to avoid the clinch. And I think he'll he'll eke out a decision or a late round finish. Your 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 thoughts on who's going to win the main event? Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be real close because I think uh, you know I think Daniel Cormier is going to come really really prepared, you know, mentally, strategically, as well as physically. Um, and yeah, I just I don't I just don't see Cormier really beating. I mean, I don't see Miocic beating Cormier uh, just because I don't think just he really has Just beating two out of three that, times? He just doesn't have that that offensive game, you know? I feel like he looks for that weakness and he tries to exploit a weakness, but I don't see him kicking Daniel Cormier in the leg 20 times to slow him down. You know, I don't, I don't see... Yeah, you know, I don't see why it took him that long to go to the body if that's how effective it was. You know, I'm not saying Stipe is not a smart fighter, but if Daniel Cormier has his body prepared and doesn't give him free body shots on the inside, then that fight's looking like a Cormier win and we're not having no trilogy. So hmm. for me, when Cormier gets uh, his mind right and, and on a path, you know, as long as it's not against John Jones and his crime, uh, I don't know who's going to stop him in heavyweight unless, you know, he has another weakness. But I don't see this guy taking him. Uh, I don't see Miocic uh, stopping him with body shots again because Cormier is going to be prepared for that. So, again, if he's not going to stop him with body shots, you know, what's going to happen? So we'll see. Uh, I would love to see Miocic come out and win. I want him to. I want Miocic to win, but I feel like Daniel Cormier is going to win. So that's what I'm going to pick. All of the, the numbers and all of the logic is on your side, in a sense that DC is a very good self-corrector. If you remember, it's weird because he has so many victories that people use these losses as straw man arguments. The first match against John Jones, which, by the way, was not at heavyweight for everybody listening at home. That was at uh, light heavyweights. That meant Dan- Daniel Cormier had to eat a salad or two and, and you know, and, and, and suck himself dry to make 205. Uh, first match, he got dominated every round, lost a decision. Second match, just uh, self-corrected, right? Uh, I-, I thought he won. The first round, and it was even the second round before John Jones finished in the third. So, with that being said, the logic's on your side because of Daniel Cormier's one, Daniel Cormier's ability to self-correct, and two, Stipe Miocic's ability to one-punch knockout uh, opponents is not applicable to Daniel Cormier. Like you've seen Stipe knock people out with one punch or this and mm-hmm. then finish up. You've seen him knock out Alistair Overeem, who kind of has a suspect chin. You've seen him knock out Junior Dos Santos, who could take a shot. You've seen him knock out uh, uh, Mark Hunt. Mark, Mark Hunt can take a shot. But we know those things aren't applicable because we've seen Daniel Cormier 
takes shots. In order, in order to finish that guy, it takes volume striking to finish him. John Jones kicked him in the head. That was a knockdown, but it took volumes of punches to finish, right? Cormier, uh, the, when Cormier lost his T-Pay, it took a volume of body shots. And then two to the two or three to the head to fall him. And still he was when he fell, he wasn't out on his feet. He, he got finished on the ground. So the logic is on your side, but my gut tells me somehow, some way, Stipe is gonna win this match. Uh let's um all right, let's go to the second one. Let's go to the co-main event. This is your boy. This is your boy. Right. Sean That's O'Malley right. against Marlon Vera. Why is it 135, 145? This That's guy so weird, just didn't want to gain weight. And I didn't even weigh in yet. What's the problem? Oh, Marlon Vera fights in two he's... weight classes. Oh, okay. So he's moving down to 135 again? He would have to. I mean, I don't see I don't see Sean O'Malley eating three three steaks and making 145. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I have Sean O'Malley, obviously, but um, I think it's going to be a tougher fight, you know, I, and I want to see him challenge. You know, that's he's been getting freaking nobodies. And he's like already 12 and 0 fighter. Like he needs to be fighting somebody. And I, I don't whether he wants to be an undefeated fighter or whatever. That doesn't really matter. Like you got to face some people, you know. So I can't wait to see this fight. Uh, I really want to see how he does with some decent competition with somebody with some reach as well. You know, I, I don't even know why they put the last guy against him. That was just a joke, honestly. And uh yeah, I I still want to see if Sugar Sean is a is a real is a real deal. I mean, I loved his toughness, but he also doesn't necessarily have, you know, crazy knockout power for his you know for his division. He's just really long. He has great techniques, um, and he's really accurate. He's a great striker. But let's see what happens when he gets somebody wrapped around him, and you know he's on pound, you know grounded pounded for a round or two or. You know, he has to wrestle and play defense before he strikes. You know, like that's why I'm like the last fight was not even a fight. This yeah. guy was literally just sitting in front of him. I think it's time for him to have a, a, a real match too. I mean, and I don't like using that because Eddie Wineland, okay, he does he the man he's he's a win some lose some fight. He definitely won significantly more than he's lost. But the thing that impressed me is that he got Wineland got finished. And Winan's hard to finish. Uh, Jose Quinones, if you've ever seen this dude fight in the independent circuits, the Indies all the way up to the USC, that dude you can you you can you can run a taxi cab into him, and he's just going to keep getting up. So, the thing that impressed me about these uh, uh, the um, O'Malley with these fighters is that he finished them. All right, did he beat them? You're right. Those are not big wins because those guys don't have a number by their name. I get that, but those guys are not easy out. So. The way the in the spectacular fashion and how he finished him, I thought, and I thought Winey was like a walk off, right? It that was like a head kick, a walk off, a walk off knockout. No, which, it was a uh, right to the chin. Yeah, which by uh, a walk off knockout, you you see in the heavyweights, all right? Because you know, mm-hmm. like Mark Hunt's like he's done. Yeah, uh-huh. he don't need no right. His chin doesn't need. Yeah, because they they see it because heavyweights and the the heavier weight classes they see it and they know it, but. You rarely see people get slept the way this kid is sleeping, people at 135 pounds. So big, 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 big spike in competition because if you know anything about Marlon Vera, dude, look out, shout. 
I mean, this dude, if, if I'm, I'm actually going to see if I could pull up something on him, but I, um, I believe he's, um, he's a, a Mark Henry guy, Marlon Vera. Where is it? Stay with me, Rob. Marlon Vera is 15 and six. Mm -hmm. um, Andre Ewell, um, Hernandez, good fighter. Frankie Science is a good fighter. These guys who, who bounce around from 145 to 135. And yeah, the dude's a tough out. I, th I do pick, okay, I asked the question. I pick O'Malley to win this. The question is, can he take someone who's a tough out? and win in the same spectacular fashion. If he does that, you got to put him up there. I think his next match has to be, he wins this. His next matchup has to be Aljamain Sterling or someone. You know, maybe or maybe even Dominic Cruz's comeback fight or something after his loss. Right. Thoughts? That'd be cool. I mean, yeah, I, I think he definitely catapults himself with a win against uh, Marlon Vera for sure. Here's one that's flying into the radar that can coincidentally is a... Um, on the main card, Magomed um, Ankalaf, An sorry Ankalaf uh, against Ion Kotalaba. Man, this dude is this dude. They call the Hulk. If you've ever seen him, he paints his skin green for the weigh-ins. And this whole mean mugging and this this thing that he does, where people are like, oh, this guy's acting like he's tough. It is a hundred percent psychological advantage. The guy wins a lot of his fights before they even start because. They think he is insane, but Magomed, <laughs> I believe he's from Dagestan. The same same thing as um uh, Khabib, and a light heavyweight. Picture Khabib at a heavier weight class, that that smothering style where he could take you down and make you quit before you tap out. And when I say quit, I don't mean by submission by tapping. I mean literally quit. You just don't. After the second round, you're like, I don't want to be in here anymore. <laughs> so that 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 batch of fighters from Dagestan, Russia, are like whatever's in the drinking water, whatever whatever they're juicing up that that the, that the athletic commission hasn't detected. Look out! No, I think it's just the style. I mean, no one knows how to defend against uh, a Khabib, you know, smothering, but also you know it's technical. You know, I think it has to be respected. I don't think it's respected. A lot of people just you know put it as. As people like to say, you know, putting your head in your crotch. You know, it's not that. You know, it's not wrestling. It's uh, ground hand-to-hand -hand combat. You know, and they're dominating people because they're not. You know, it's like the Gracies back in the day with uh, UFC One. Nobody really respected the ground game, and they were just like, "Well, if I just knock you out, you know, you can't go on the ground." Yeah, but I could get you on the ground a lot easier than you can knock me out. You know, and if you don't know what you're doing down there, you're going to lose. So that's, I example. feel like it's just the same thing. Excellent you know, example. Same, same, why, same reason that, you know, uh, Rob, Robbie Lawler got, you know, dominated by Kobe Covington, you know. Um, same reason why Tyrone Woodley got dominated by Kuzma. Yeah. You know? But but we, we did kind of see that coming. Like anyone that's followed Robbie Lawler in Force that saw him fight fighters at 185 uh, that were similar, like Jake Shields, or mm -hmm. um, I think he might have fought Tim Kennedy, like these guys who, who are really good wrestlers. We right. knew that it could happen. And Kobe Covington, uh, as much as you hate him, his wrestling, his wrestling, Rob, is to be respected. You mm. know, it is to be respected. How Not about too. your boy? Let's plug in your boy before we go. Where is he? Exactly. Right here. Where is he? Right there. 
Hey, yo. Johnny. Yo. He's back. The guy with a smile on his face, Robbie. The dude that's always smiling big like, yo. I'm like, dude, was it red panty night last night? What's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> the hell are you so happy about? So that's another match. But before we move on to the next thing, big up to Derek Lewis. Um, absolutely sleeping Alexio Lenik, who is, uh, we all know is a tough out, who's got pretty pretty decent hands, but pales in comparison to his wrestling. Um, and as you mentioned, with the, like the Gracies, like the guy in the bottom, you're like, wait, the holy shit, the guy in the bottom just won? How did that happen? I give you Alexio Lenik. Mm. Yep. Well, the other thing is you see what uh, Derek Lewis did to Olenek's food. <laughs> the UFC sent the Olympic food to Derek Lewis and he spit in it because it said it needed more seasoning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is like, the guy oh who got God. a sponsorship from Popeyes because he said, I want to fight Daniel Cormier because he disrespected Popeyes. <laughs> a day later, Popeyes gave him free Popeyes for life. Well, hopefully he doesn't eat that because he needs to keep that body trim. Yeah. Uh, and all, the other thing before we move on, uh, my New York bias comes into play. Big up. Congratulations, Chris Weidman. Uh, got his, got him a W against who's a, a very, very tough Russian, Russian Sambo fighter who is not an easy out. Uh, I mean, the guy was clearly stronger than him, even though shorter. And Chris, sometimes when you you fight someone, you feel someone's power, and you're like, oh, my God, this is for real. And now I can't just bowl over this guy because I'm bigger. I got to find other ways to win. And Chris got a ton of top position and showed the Russian Sambo fighters what a Division One wrestler, Division One All-American's all about. You you got Sambo wrestling? I give you my D1 All-American. And he just smothered him. Even had the full mount at the end for a 10-8 round. Uh, did hmm. some damage because sometimes you punch someone you're too close, can't inflict as much damage, and all of a sudden, you got his coach Ray Longo saying elbows, and it's like, like oh, okay, wait, that hurt a little more. You mean like this? <laughs> Do it again. So, <laughs> all right, cool. So moving on to the next next subject. Um, since COVID, we a lot of sports have found a way to get back on television and, and get their restarts and the UFC and tennis are able to keep flowing, um, albeit without uh, fan participation. So the question is, Rob, which sport do you miss the audience the most and which sport, sport do you not really not miss the audience at all because you don't really notice? I'm going to go first. The one mm. I miss the audience the most I was going to say mixed martial arts to the UFC, but I got to say beach volleyball. Uh, the AVP last week when I saw three weeks in a row and saw the series and you saw and you, and you went through and you, you listened to Jeff Alzina just be an absolute savage and you watched and you listened to a little bit of Kevin Barnett and Cameron and were poke back and forth, poke fun at each other. Somewhere in the middle of this was absolutely great volleyball that gathered a round of applause from the coaches and the minimal participants, which were all we need needed. We didn't need Rosie's Raiders with respect. Love those guys. Can't wait to get drinking with you guys again and singing karaoke. But the sport, I didn't miss the audience at all. I, and it's strange because I thought beach volleyball can't, couldn't survive without the audience. I thought that the, the people and the fans were what it's about. Otherwise, you're gone. And then this, this eerie ultimate reversal rob i go with beach volleyball what's the one that you didn't really uh, not notice the audience at all 
uh, that I didn't notice the audience. Yeah, like you, you saw it and you're like, okay, I, I'm just watching the sport and didn't really remember uh, fans. Um, I would have to say basketball. Really? You know, I feel like, yeah, I feel like um, uh, maybe that'll change in the playoffs, but for regular season games, it's kind of, you know, the fans don't really put any, I mean, they, they mean everything, you know, fans meet everything in, in, in all sports, but um, about them. I just didn't, you know, it didn't click in my head like, oh, wow, you know, there's no fans there, you know, uh, until, you know, for, for quite some time. Um, but other sports, I kind of recognized it pretty quickly, like for baseball, you know, how the players were kind of getting at each other at the dugouts and they can kind of hear everything. Um, you know, tennis, you know, it's kind of missed as well, but there's not really too much interaction with the fans and they're always quieted anyway. Uh, so you kind of forget that. So yeah, for me, it was definitely, uh, definitely basketball. All right, so this when you go first. Which one do you miss the audience the most when you watched it? I already um, think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Well, I was going to say, actually, I'll, I'm going to like project to the future and say football. Um, for me, football is almost entirely like fan-driven in the energy that's generated in the stadiums. And there's so much you know, in, like the, every single play is so important in football that you need every ounce of energy. And I feel, I feel like it's going to be such a drain on the on the players to not have something to, to you know, get you back going for that for, for the next play on, on a tough you know tough driver, you know something else. And obviously, it'll create some te- teamliness, of course. But I just feel like uh, football is going to be a little bit more difficult. For me, it's baseball. I really just missed having someone getting two strikes and then the audience go, you know, on their feet and then the rumbling in the from the bleacher creatures at Yankee Stadium and you know, and just that that crowd encouragement to get that third strike or like when there's people on base and then someone you know who's capable of batting them in comes comes up to the plate. And then the audience gets excited and, and, and magnetized and galvanized by that. And yet, here we are hit with this. I'm going to show it again. Who the hell is that? Who the hell? That's Bernie, uh, Rob. We're looking at Bernie. Bernie. Back. For those of you that are listening to this and can't see it, the Kansas City Royals game, they have a fake audience. They have fake, fake uh, like, Faces, I guess, cardboard faces or whatever. And they have the guy from Weekend at Bernie's, whatever the hell his name is. You guys will message me and tell me. And Weekend at Bernie's is this movie where this guy was actually dead and they had to pretend him he was alive. And it was only a one-star movie because the audience, as well as the, the actors trying to portray the characters, would have to be absolutely stupid to not know this man was dead. It's Bernie. I miss... I miss it's crazy because baseball, we know, is not my number one sport, but I'm a, I'm a diehard, lifelong Yankee fan from the 70s, Greg Nettles, Guidry, Hunter, Munson to the 80s, to Willie Randolph, Dave Winfield, Don Mattingly, the 90s, both anyone whose last name is Williams, Jeter, you name it. I was, I'm, I'm all the way up, so I really miss the nostalgia uh, of near postseason play all the way to, to October that the Yankees are oh so familiar with. I, well, I appreciate that because not everybody talks about baseball. So. All right, no doubt. All right, hey, this is the segment called To Shame 
or not to shame. 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 Rob, to shame or not to shame? The Oakland, the Oakland A's win nine straight and then get into a social distance breaking brawl. <laughs> uh, not shame. Only because Houston Astros. <laughs> all, <of> them, <laughs> all that whole team can get beamed by balls. And if you start hitting anybody else, y'all going to get it. See, the thing I want to see is I want to see that pitcher get suspended the same amount of games that they would get suspended for hitting the Astros. If they can get suspended for hitting the Astros, the Astros get suspended for, quote-unquote, retaliating. Listen, anytime you hit an Astro, it's, I call it a service to humanity, but I got to go with shame, Rob. You got to go with shame because the Astros infected us with their cheating, and now you break social distance rules. Now they get, they get to infect everybody the old-fashioned way. All right? I know everybody's been tested, but there's a, real, a reason why we're still social distancing. It's asymptomatic. Their um, cheating is asymptomatic. And honestly, I mean, it's kind of a wash, but I got to go with shame on that. Rob, to shame or not to shame? College football, the Power Five are getting together to discuss canceling this season. Um, to shame or, to, or not to shame? Uh, you know, there's a lot of perspectives on this about uh, people coming from areas that, you know, that are difficult, meaning that, you know, in a year or so, this could actually destroy their future because they're going back to positions that they were, they got out of getting to be able to go to college and uh, going to make a life for themselves going forward. So um, I, I would have to say it's uh, no shame just because everybody has to be involved, not just the people in tough situations, but people in good situations. Yeah, I say no safety of the players. Yep. I say no shame for the Power Five because of, of many reasons. The Pac Pac twelve is already most likely to cancel. They're the, they were the first on board. The Big Ten uh, is steering that direction. In fact, they, the Big Ten has two presidents who are medical doctors, and one of them's an, an immunologist as opposed to a PhD academic. So, with that being said, uh, the SEC and the ACC are probably the last two to be romping and stomping. But let's just make this in the spring. No shame, Rob. Shame or no shame? Damian Lillard tweets to Paul George, keep switching teams, running from the grind. You boys are chumps. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it goes both ways, but uh, Dame Lillard has had very little to work with his entire career. Um, and he's done great things. You know, he's always had the ball in his hand and he's never shot away from the moment. On the other hand, Paul George, not as hyped as Dame Lillard, in, at the, even at the draft pick. But, you know, he had all this. Uh, he's the next LeBron. He's going to beat LeBron um, for many, many years in Indiana and never really came through. So I'd have to agree with, you know, Dame Lillard on this one. For me, like you said, it works both ways. The question is who fired the first shot to me. It doesn't even matter. Uh, Damien, Damien Lillard, uh, he likes to talk a little trash and get a little attention. But at the end of the day, if you talk trash, you have to be able to back it up. And Damien Lillard, doing more with less, has backed it up over and over and over again, specifically with the guy that he, he sent home packing, um, I believe, with the Oklahoma City, City Thunder with a shot to finish the game. Um, yep, and that was it. 
Rob, shame to shame or not to shame? Draymond Green gets fined 50K for saying Booker um, from the Phoenix Sun should leave. He was accused of tampering and got fined $50,000. Shame or no shame? I mean, no shame because he's making enough money to just spout his mouth off. And, uh, you know, honestly, I don't know why he's saying he should leave, but, um, you know, he's more, he's entitled to say what he wants. And if someone's breaking, you know, protocol, maybe they should leave. Uh, but if, you know, it's just Draymond talking to the mouth, you know, no shame because he can do what he wants. It's just going to cost him a little extra money. Me, I say shame, but not on Draymond Green. Shame on the NBA for finding this man 50K for saying that he, he should get the hell out of the Phoenix Suns. I'm with you. I disagree as far as the why. I think the Suns have a future. And in the rebuilding thing, I think this guy should be part of that process. But with that being said, Draymond Green was not telling him to leave the Suns and join the Golden State Warriors. If he was saying that, fine, fine him. I consider that tampering. But for just to tell him to get the hell out of Dodge is the same thing any player coach fan or pundit should be telling everybody about tom thibodeau to get the hell away from the new york knicks <sighs> okay um i one more shame but no shame <laughs> let's just see if your battery holds up simmons is out and beat is injured um and beat still wants to play in the playoffs um i mean no shame uh just because you know these guys are always injured, uh, so I don't really expect much from them anyway. But, um, yeah, no shame because at least they're trying to – at least he's trying to get back involved. At least he's trying to get back in. Uh, it seemed like Ben Simmons kind of been checked out for the uh, last year or two. Um, so, for me, no shame. No shame for these guys. I'm with you in a sense, no shame um, either way. Like if Embiid chooses to play, there's no shame. If he chooses to just sit out the rest of this this um, soon-to-be-forgotten season, there's no shame either with that. you got a whole bunch of people opting out not to play, and Embiid is a warrior, but sometimes you have to save you from yourself. Um, and Philadelphia, uh, a city that is loyal and always wants their players to play, almost to a point where they boo Santa Claus, would totally give um, and beat a pass if he decided to sit out. But if he wants to play, no shame, man. No shame, my brother. Cool. That is the end of shame, um, no shame. And now at the end, I'm going to give a shout out to my team, the Brooklyn Nets. They won yesterday and they secured the seventh seed. So they're in the playoffs and the playoffs. Uh, we, I believe we got the Raptors playing the Bucks tonight. Going to be an interesting match. Um, actually, this this broadcast comes tomorrow. So that match would have already happened. So let's talk. You guys can message me and talk about the winner of that and this and that. Rob, anything? Um, not too much. Not too much. Uh, I think I'm glad the sports are back, man. And so I'm enjoying watching all. Aren't we? I mean, look, it's everything we thought it would be. It's a quarantine turns into quarantine. That's all we got today. That's all we got, man. This is the end of episode 29. I hope it's 29 or I'm just wrong. For everybody at home, for everybody on their laptop, for everybody on their desktop who runs the world, old school, old school, for everybody on their iPhone, sorry, for everybody on their Android, I don't say that enough, for Rob, keep it McLean, McLean. I'm Jason DeBeas, and we hope to see you next week. And we say peace out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.